0: Hey guys, thanks for joining us today. One of the things that energizes our teams the most is being able to hear stories of lives that are
1: impacted by this ministry. We would love for you to share your story with us by emailing it to stories at newcommunity.co or maybe your next step to getting connected to what God is doing in this ministry is partnering with us financially. You can do that online at www.newcommunity.co or through the Pushpay app and find the giving option that works best for you. Thanks so much for tuning in and enjoy today's message.
0: God has done so much through NCC in the last six years, but the best is yet to come. We're going to welcome new families as they grow in their relationship
1: with God. We'll redefine the future by cultivating a new youth culture right here in Mesquite. We will leave a legacy for future generations
0: to encounter God. This is the vision God has given NCC and we can't stay here. Good morning, New Community Church. How are you guys doing this morning? Good. It's good to see each and every one of you. And if you're our guest, if this is your first time here at NCC or if you're watching online for the first time, we want to welcome you say thanks for um, worshiping with us this morning and being a part of our church. Um, my name is Aaron, and I am the lead pastor here at New Community Church. And we're a church that's passionate about making people in places new. That's the heart that God has given us as a church. And we hope that you see that and that you experience that this morning. We've been in this campaign called Made for More, and we've been looking every week and preparing our hearts for this Sunday, Commitment Sunday, as we look at the vision that God has given us, and we look at how we can be a part of that and where God is calling us to and where God is leading us together as a church. And as part of this, we have spent the past couple of weeks, we had five vision dessert nights, And these were great nights. I hope you were able to be at them. If you missed them, you really missed out because night after night, we heard story after story of what God is doing in your life. And so many of you took time and you just shared about how God is challenging you and how you're growing in your faith, how you're developing and moving forward in your relationship with God others of you, you shared how God is using you to reach out to co-workers or to other people that are around you, and you're sharing what God's doing in your life to help them grow and to help them move forward um, and take their next steps together. And our prayer is if you're our guest this morning or if you're watching online, that you would really experience that, that you would understand how you are made for more, and that God has plans and purpose and a purpose for your life to continue to see you grow and develop in your relationship with him. And in this, we've been in this campaign for the past six months together as a church, or ever since September, I'm looking at how God is challenging us with this. And we've made some declarations together as a church. We've declared some things that we feel like are helping us move forward in what God has said as we are made for more. And so I want us to go over these. I want you to say them out loud with me this morning. There's four of them. So let's repeat these together. Scripture is going to shape my life. The next one. My growth is my responsibility. The third one, I'm going to change the world and it starts here. And the last one, we can't stay here. These are the declarations that we've made as a church that God is calling us to, that scripture is gonna shape our life as we daily engage with God's word. It's gonna form us and it's gonna shape us. That we're owning our spiritual growth. We're owning our our growth that God wants to do inside of our lives and how we're moving forward. That God wants to use each of us to change the world around us. That that's what God is speaking to us. in that last one, we can't stay here. That as a church, we're committing to the vision that God has given us. And we're praying that God would use us to reach out and to impact others together corporately as a church. And so this vision that we're looking at is that God is calling us to expand our influence and that we as a church we're looking at how we can reach into our own community and we can reach around the world with our missionary partners and make a difference in the lives of people um, that are right here in our community and people that we may never meet we're looking at ways that we can deepen our partnership with misd and that we can equip the next generation to do more for the kingdom of God than they can imagine that we are going to be a church that reaches out and that equips those that are coming after us and that we fulfill the vision that God is giving us as a church as it relates to doing that, to engaging with others that are coming after us. You know, as a church, we partner with a number of elementary schools here um, in Mesquite. We have for the past few years. And so our staff and many of you guys as church members, you've come along with us and you've served at some of these different events. We serve in our elementary schools, and so we go at the beginning of the school year and help set up the rooms with the teachers, and um, we serve at the different play days around Christmas and at the end of the year. And we have um, many amazing teachers in this room. One of them is Miss April Jackson, who's an elementary teacher at Rutherford Elementary. And this spring, I just went up to her on a Sunday morning when she was here at service, and I said, hey, I know you're a teacher for the fourth grade. Can I come this year, or can I just serve in your classroom this spring? I just want to come and give um, a few hours of my time every week and just help out whatever way I can in the class. And so I had the opportunity to do that a number of times this spring. And so I would take a group of students. She would give me a group that were struggling and I'd go out in the hallway and sit down on the ground with them and um, I'd get to know them. I got to know a lot of their names. I told them that I was going to remember their names. And now every time they see me, they ask me, Pastor Aaron, do you remember me? Do you know who I am? And I would just help them with their English homework. And then this, um, this Friday, our staff had a chance to go serve at the elementary school. And so I asked to be with Miss Jackson's class. And all that day, I got to hang out with some amazing kids. And we played tug of war together. We played on the playground. We played chase um, or tag together, um, played this game called box hockey, which they should not give fourth graders hockey sticks, you guys, because I got so beat up. Those kids were swinging them every which way. But it was so much fun that day just to get to be around them and get to know them more and, and spend time with them. And about halfway through the day, one of the young girls, the little fourth grader, um, she looked at me and she said, Aaron, what do you do? Like, what's your job? I said, I'm a pastor. And she just looks at me a little confused and she's like, you're a pastor? Like, you're a pastor, pastor? And I don't know what that means, but I was like, yeah, I'm a pastor, pastor. And, And so I told her kind of what I did at the church. And she just looks at me and she's like, you don't look like a pastor and you don't act like a pastor. I didn't know how to take that at first. And I can't tell you the number of times over the past few years as we've served at the elementary school that I've gotten that same exact reaction. You don't look like a pastor and you don't act like a pastor. And the more I've thought about it after that conversation on Friday, I thought, and that's probably one of the biggest compliments that kids could give me at that school. Because as they're growing up and they're becoming older and as they're thinking about church and their faith in God and their relationship with God, as they think about someone who's helping them move forward in their relationship with God, I don't want them to picture just someone standing on a stage behind a pulpit. And I don't want them to think about someone just in a suit and a tie who sits behind a desk in an office throughout the week. When they think about growing in their relationship with God, when they think about someone who's there to help them, I want them to picture someone sitting in the hall helping them with their English homework. And I want them to get this idea of someone who's willing to get down on his hands and knees and play box hockey with them and play tug of war. And just get to know their name and be present in their life. Church, because the more I read the Gospels and the more I reflect on the life of Jesus and the more that I see the way that he lived, that's how he did it. He just wanted to be close to people. And the God of all creation, the God who made everything, who spoke all of this into existence, we see him. He wrapped himself up in flesh and his deepest desire was just to be close to you. It was just to be near to us. He wanted to be near to his creation and to have a relationship with them. He knew this in the heartbeat of God was to leave something and to pour something into the next generation, into those that were coming after him. This is how Jesus lived his life. He spent three of his years around 12 teenage boys. That's how he did it, and he poured into them. And I want us to look at this scripture today, and I want us to look at this idea and this vision of God in our lives challenging us to pour into the next generation because this is the vision that he's given us as a church. And you can be sitting here this morning, and I know some of you, you're like, Aaron, my kids have already gone. They're out of the house. And I'm like, thank you, Jesus, um, because I don't, have to, I don't have all the craziness of having kids. But I'm here to tell you this morning, you're not done. You're not done, church. You're not finished yet pouring into the next generation. And some of you, you're younger and you don't have kids yet. And I'm here to tell you that you don't have to wait to get started. God wants to use your life, even at a young age, to pour into the next generation to serve those that are coming after you. And that may be your nieces or your nephews, it may be cousins, it may be younger siblings, but I'm here to tell you that God is calling his church and he's calling us together, each and every one of us, to make an impact in the lives of kids that come here to NCC, and in the lives of students and kids that are in this surrounding area and to impact them with the message of the gospel. That's what the vision is that we're looking at. And so if you have your Bibles, turn this morning to Matthew chapter 19, and we're going to start here. We're going to start reading at verse 13, and we're going to look at a couple of different passages as well. If you don't have a Bible, um, you can reach down in front of you and I want to encourage you to do that. Follow along with us. You can turn to page 481 in the Bible there in front of you or take out your smartphone and just Google Matthew chapter 19 and you'll get there. And I want you to see what it is that Matthew is talking about. Once you have that, just hold on to that for a quick moment. And in case you don't, you're not familiar with the story of Matthew or with the book of Matthew, he's telling us about the life of Jesus. This is um, everything that Jesus did that Matthew records while he was here on this earth. And by the time he gets to chapter 19, Jesus has been in what's known as public ministry for a while. He's been walking around the nation of Israel, interacting with people, teaching about the kingdom of God. He's opened the eyes of the blind so people that could not see at all can now see. There were individuals that were lame, they couldn't walk, and now they're up jumping and leaping and they're praising God because now they have their legs back and they're no longer limited in that way. There are individuals that had demon spirits living in them, and because they encountered Jesus, they're now free. There was even one time where Jesus takes this little boy's lunch as he gives it to Jesus. It's just five round pieces of bread and a few small fish, and Jesus feeds. 5,000 individuals with it. He just keeps on breaking it and blessing it, and it keeps on multiplying. And at this point, there are hundreds and thousands of people following Jesus. There's very few times in the days and the weeks that Jesus is living this last part of his life where he's not kind of surrounded and pressed in by this crowd of people that just want to get close to him. And this is what's taking place. This is what we have to realize as we start this story that Matthew gives us in these few verses here in Matthew chapter 19 verse 13 it says this is what's taking place in this kind of scenario as Jesus was on his way to Jerusalem then children in verse 13 then children were brought to him that he might lay his hands on them and pray the disciples rebuked the people but Jesus said let the little children come to me and do not hinder them for to such belongs the kingdom of heaven Church, I want you to get that. You can underline that in the Bible there in the seat in front of you or highlight that on your phone. For to such belongs the kingdom of heaven. And he laid his hands on them and he went away. So Jesus is praying with them, interacting with them, and then he goes on his way. What's taking place in this passage? Why does Matthew tell us this story? So many times growing up in church, I heard this story and I thought, well, this is for little kids, right? So little kids know how much Jesus loves them, know know how much that God cares about them, but I don't believe that's the full picture of this story. This is a challenge to us as adults. And what's taking place here is Jesus is on his way to another city, to another place. Once again, I want you to picture this. There are hundreds, sometimes thousands of people surrounding Jesus and the disciples are saying, wait, he's too busy and they're holding people away. They're kind of this barrier wall. They're bodyguards for Jesus in this moment saying, wait, you can't get close to him. You can't come near right now. All of these little kids, you guys just need to back up for a second. Jesus is way too busy. And he doesn't have time for you and jesus looks at him and he says peter john what are you guys doing like why why are you blocking these kids from coming let let them come let all of these little kids let them come and get close to me and i want you to understand this because this is who the kingdom of god belongs to this is the important thing that the kingdom of heaven is about it's about the next generation it's about those that are coming after us. This is what I've come to do. There is no more important thing. And the disciples, they're caught up in this mindset that of what probably most people thought in that time that kids, well, they're just like another possession, which I know sounds really weird to us, but that was kind of the mindset. They were just something else that you had and they really didn't have rights until they became adults. And so the disciples are thinking, well, don't bother Jesus with them. They're not the important ones here. They're not even adults yet. mean, what impact can they really have? And Jesus has said, no, that's who the kingdom of God belongs to. That's why I've come. This is what is important. And they were thinking, Jesus, you you have to get to Jerusalem. You have to get somewhere else. Jesus, you could be talking to thousands. Why would you spend your time with just a few kids? You could be talking to hundreds and, and teaching them. Why would you invest in them? And Jesus is saying, wait, this is what God has been trying to teach and talk about all along, that This is where the kingdom of God is. This is what the kingdom of heaven is about. This is why I've come. And the disciples didn't get it, but Jesus is trying to point to that. He understands that if what he's doing is going to be successful, he has to pass it on to the next generation. This week as I was studying this and I'm reading about this, I came across this number and it said that 94% of adults that are Christians first came to know Jesus before they were 18 years old. I want you to think about that. 94% of us as adults that are Christians came to know Jesus before we were 18 years old. That's why Jesus says, let the little children come unto me this is who the kingdom of heaven is for because he knows that he knows the impact of reaching a child of reaching the next generation of pouring into teenagers and students lives he knows what's going to happen that he has to pass this on that he's not going to be here forever and so he has to give it to someone else and, and that's why he says this this isn't something new with jesus this is something that god has been trying to teach his people that god has been trying to instruct his people. For thousands of years now, if you turn in your Bibles to Deuteronomy chapter six, we see this. Deuteronomy chapter six, verse four. It's on page eighty-seven of that Bible there in front of you. And the people of God have come out of four hundred years of slavery. They've been slaves for four hundred years, and now God has miraculously brought them out of the land of Egypt, and they're free. And they're moving through the wilderness into the promised land. They're headed toward the land that God said, I am going to give you. And while they're on their way, Jesus or God is giving them some instructions about how they're to live, what it's to be like. They've been slaves for 400 years. So he said, hey, I need to teach you what it needs to look like now to walk and to follow after me. And this is what it says. Deuteronomy chapter six, verse four. Hear, O Israel. The Lord your God, the Lord is one, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your might. And these commands that I give you today shall be on your heart. Then look at this, you shall teach them diligently to your children. And you shall talk of them when you sit in your house and when you walk by the way and when you lie down and when you rise up, you shall bind them as a sign on your hand and they shall be on the frontlets between your eyes. You shall write them on the doorpost of your house and on your gates." What is it that God's telling his people? They're getting ready to move into this land that he said, hey, I'm going to give you, but there's something I need to give you before you get there. There's something you need to know before you enter into this land. And this is what he tells them. Hey, these commands, these instructions that I've given you, they're not just for you. It's not just to hold on for yourself. This is to pass on To the next generation. This is to tell your kids about. And so this is what I'm instructing you to do, not just to send them to church on Sunday morning and assume someone else will teach them. I'm looking at you asking you to do that. And this is how I want you to do this. I want you to live it out in front of them every single day that when you get up early in the morning, you're talking to them about this. Church, I loved what we just did together as a church, that 14-day devotional. Every morning, we sat around the breakfast table, and before our kids went to school, we read scripture, and we read the story, and we asked each other questions about how God could use us that day in this week to love other people and to show the love of God. That's what God's talking about. Teach them. Live this out. Keep it in front of them. Walk it out every single day. Let them see it inside of your lives. Don't just let them read about it in a book. Live it out in front of them. Be that example of my love, of serving God with all of your heart, with all of your soul, with all of your strength, with everything inside of you. I want you to live this out in front of the next generation. Let them see it inside of you. It's like God was reminding them. It's, this is a lot easier caught than it is taught. This is something they're going to see in your lives. When you're at the marketplace, church, When you're outside mowing your lawn and those neighborhood kids are out there, when you're interacting with your grandkids, with your niece and your nephew, do they see it inside of your life? Is it something that is always with you? You're living out the love of God in front of the next generation, in front of those that are coming after you. That's what he's saying. You've gotta keep this in front of them. Live it out in that way. Whenever I was a young kid, I've told part of this story before, but I was one year old and I got taken away from my parents. And for about a year I was, um, for a little bit of that time I was in the hospital and then I was placed in foster care um, for about one year of my life whenever I was just really little. And whenever I got placed back, I won't go into all of the story right now, but I got placed back with my parents. Um, The social worker that had been working with me went to my parents and said, hey, Aaron has some real limitations. He's never gonna be able to talk that well. He's mentally handicapped. And so he's gonna struggle with vocabulary all of his life. He's gonna struggle with speech. He's gonna be limited in school. He's never gonna develop really past a certain age. And so they told my parents, you can't speak Spanish to him. Now, for those of you that are scratching your head, I am Mexican, okay? (laughs) I know I look like I'm a lot of different ethnicities, but I I am Mexican, okay? Some of you guys have asked me um, that a, a lot of times, but. That's, that's my heritage. And so my parents are fluent in Spanish and they had been you know, speaking Spanish to me and my brother. But at that point, when I was placed back in the house, they stopped. They were afraid that once again, I would be taken away, and taken away from them. And so growing up, I never really learned Spanish. I wasn't like what the social worker said. I wasn't mentally handicapped or mentally limited in any way. I did very well in school. And when I got to high school, I wanted to learn Spanish. And so I took these classes, right? I took Spanish classes like most people do, I guess, in high school. I wanted to learn that. Um, I excelled really fast. And so my senior year, I actually took a college course of Spanish. I didn't take the regular course, but I was taking college credits in Spanish. And then whenever I got to college, um, I tested out of the first few years and jumped into the third semester of college Spanish. I really wanted to learn it. And the more I was around it, the more um, it was easily kind of influenced in my life and, and I could speak it pretty well. And then we moved to Illinois, where the town that we lived in, everyone was white, okay? And no one spoke Spanish, okay? I don't know why I didn't stay in Texas, but, but that's where we were. That's where God had us. And just like, just as quickly as I'd gotten it, I lost it. And all of those words, that now it's such a struggle. I have people that walk up to me and start talking in Spanish and I understand a part of it, but I, I really can't speak back to them. I'm not that confident. I don't know that much of it. Really the only time I've spoken Spanish um, the past number of years is when I'm in a Spanish speaking country and someone tries to put mayonnaise on my burger, then I can speak Spanish, you guys, because I hate mayo, okay? So I can tell you how not to put mayonnaise on my burger. But apart from that, it, it's so difficult. And I'm jealous because I see some of you guys here in the church and and you teach your kids Spanish and it's just, it's just a part of your life. Like they're just around it and they pick it up so easy because it's in your house. It's a part of your everyday life. And and I'm kind of jealous that I miss out on that and that I don't have that. And that's what God is telling his people. You just got to live this in front of them every day, wherever you're at, you're living this out what God has done. It's like what the psalmist said in Psalms chapter 78, where he said, I'm not going to hide this from my children. I'm not going to hide this from the next generation, but I'm going to tell them of your wondrous deeds and your mighty works, O Lord. He had that heart. He understood God's vision that this isn't just about us, but it's declaring it to the next generation. It's telling those that are coming after us about what God has done and what's taken place. And I want to look at this final passage this morning in Judges Chapter two, verse six, because God gives us a picture of what happens when a church or a people isn't concerned about the next generation. When we don't pass it on, but when we keep it just for ourselves. This is what it says in Judges chapter two, verse six. The people were entering into the promised land now and God had divided up their inheritance and they were being led by a man named Joshua. And this is what it says, Judges chapter two, verse six. When Joshua dismissed the people the people of Israel each went to their inheritance to take possession of the land. And the people served the Lord all the days of Joshua and all the days of the elders who outlived Joshua, who had seen all the great works of the Lord that he had done for Israel. And Joshua, the son of Nun, the servant of the Lord, died at the age of 110. And he was buried within the boundaries of his inheritance at Timnath Heres in the hill country of Eph- Ephraim in the north, northern mountain of Gash. And then this, and all that generation were gathered to their fathers and there arose another generation after them who did not know the Lord or the works that he had done for Israel. And the people of Israel did evil in the sight of the Lord and they served the Baals. What happened? You guys, they're traveling through the wilderness. This isn't even over 20 years ago and God tells his people, it's not just for you it's not just for you. You've got to pass this on to the next generation. And Joshua leads the people, but after them, no one else is telling of the works of God. No one else is declaring to their kids. No one else is telling their cousins. No one else is talking to their nieces and nephews. No one else is living it out in that way. So there arose a generation who did not know the Lord and who did not know the marvelous deeds that he had done. And so the people of God did evil in the sight of the Lord and they went after false idols. One generation, they went after false idols. Why? Because they thought this is just for us. This is just about us and our relationship with God. God said, no, I'm calling you to pass this on, calling you to give this to the next generation. And church, you and I, we have that same challenge. If we hold this in for ourselves, if we make this about us, if it's just our personal relationship with God and we never share it, we never live it out, we're not concerned or focused on the next generation, we don't see the vision that God is calling us to, it will die with us. If we don't spread it, it will die with us, church. It will end when you and I are put in the grave and no one else will see the mighty works that God has done. We're one generation away from that. See, you and I have that choice that chance to say, God, we want to share this. God, we want to live our lives. We want to give in such a way that others would know of your goodness, that they would experience your freedom. I read this story this week, and it said this. There was this man named John Courier, who lived in the 1940s and was accused of murder, and he was placed in prison. And he spent a number of years living out that sentence. He was sentenced to life in prison. And finally he got a letter one day and they said, John, you're being transferred. You're not gonna be in this maximum security prison, but you're gonna actually live on a farm. And that farm will be your prison. You'll work on the farm every single day. And that's where you will live out your life sentence. And so in 1949, John went to the farm and he worked there day after day, year after year. That's how he spent his life. He never left. He just worked day after day on the farm. In 1968, there was a letter that was sent to John and it said the parole board has reviewed your case and you've served your sentence and you're now free to go out on parole. You're a free man. You've repaid your debt to society. But the sad thing is John never got that letter. It sat on the farmer's desk. And so year after year, day after day, John still stayed in that prison working on the farm. The ironic thing is the farmer eventually died and John stayed there, never leaving the farm, working day in and day out. He assumed he was still a prisoner. Until 10 years later, a parole officer, state police officer with, in Nashville, Tennessee, located him, heard about his story, located him and gave him the good news, you're free. You've been free for 10 years now. They said when he heard that, he just broke down sobbing because he could never get those years back. He had been free all of that time, but no one had conveyed that to him. In church, you and I, we've been placed here in this community and in the surrounding area. And there are students, there are families that are kids that are waiting for the good news that we have. They're waiting for someone to show up at their school. They're waiting for someone to show up in their lives, to be present there, to tell them that God has a better hope for their future, that God has a plan, and that God has a purpose for them. And the question is, what kind of church will we be? What kind of church will we withhold the good news for them, or will we live our lives and give in such a way to say, God, we want everyone that we can influence, Lord, everyone that we can to know this, Lord, that you've set them free. And I want to encourage you with this this morning. God is a God who wants a relationship with you, And you may be here this morning, you may be sitting in this room and saying, you know what? I felt like things have kept me away from him. Maybe it's people, maybe it's even been people in the church at some point like the disciples, they've been holding you at a distance and you've had this feeling that you can't get close to Jesus. And that's not the case. He's inviting you. He's saying, come, draw near to me. I want a relationship with you. It may be sin in your life. It may be shame from that sin. You've done things and you're assuming those things are holding you at a distance that they're keeping you away from God. And that's why Jesus came. That's why he gave his life. He wanted to restore that relationship with you. He wanted to be close to his creation. This is the God of all creation wanting to get close to us. And if that's you and you're saying, man, I don't have that relationship with God. What you've talked about, God's plan, loving God. I don't have that in my life, but I want that at the end of the service today, you're gonna have a chance to respond. And our prayer team will be up here And before you head out this morning. I wanna encourage you to find one of them and just ask them, hey, I wanna start a relationship with God. Will you pray with me? And they're gonna walk you through those first steps of restoring that relationship with God. And we're all gonna respond together before that to this vision that God has given us. This is Commitment Sunday. And we've been spending time praying and saying, God, we want to invest in this. God, we will be a church that invests in the next generation. God, we will be a church that reaches kids and students, Lord, that you've called us to reach out to. And so in front of you is this commitment card. Now, what? every single one of you take this in your hand. If you've got this in your packet and you brought this with you, grab that. Um, with you, the one that you brought, you can take that as well, but I just want to remind you of the vision that God is calling us to. It's a vision for kids. New Kids is the kids' ministry here at New Community Church. And every week while we're down here, we're investing and we're pouring into the lives of kids. It's things like kids camp where kids take a few days and they just spend time learning about God and hearing more about God. And our dream and our goal is that we would build onto this building, that we would add classrooms so kids can know who Jesus is. So kids who don't yet know the story of Christ so that they could grow in their relationship, it's students. Students that come in here every Wednesday night, students that some of you guys go to school with and they're in your classrooms and they don't have hope. In the environment that they've grown up, it isn't the best, but God's calling us to make a new youth culture, kids that will be changed as they come here in that expanded room and they experience who God is. It's our local partners. It's families right here in Mesquite and in the surrounding area. Many of them don't have a home, they're homeless. Many of them are lacking resources that they need and we want to be a church that reaches out to them and we provide for them the things that they have. It's our global partners. It's kids in Southeast Asia that don't have the Bible and as we give to One Hope, they're engaging with God's word, they're reading the story of Jesus for the very first time and they're finding out who Jesus is It's our partners in El Salvador, in Lasse, who are building schools, they're adding on to churches, they're building health clinics so that the next generation can know who Jesus is and they can have those resources that they need. It's our partnerships right here with MISD and with the Read, Play, Talk initiative. And this vision, this commitment over the next three years is to say, God, we want to invest in kids that are coming from under-resourced families that are in situations where they don't have what their peers have, but we wanna make sure that they're still successful in their education. And we wanna preschool and we want something right here in our church that we're serving our community and that we're reaching out to those kids and that we're making sure that they're successful in their education. That's the commitment that we're making. And so on this card, we're asking all of us as a church to say, God, what would you have us give? And in a moment, we're gonna take these cards and I'm gonna ask you if you haven't already to take a moment to feel that out, to pray and say, God, what could I give over the next three years? What's something monthly? For some of you, it may be a small amount. Many of you, you in this room, you can give a larger amount. And over the course of three years, it's gonna make an eternal impact in all the difference in the world. We did this together as a family, we encourage you to. And so this week our family sat down and we said, we don't need a Netflix subscription. We don't need a gym membership, you guys. And we can cut back on eating out because we want to pour into the next generation, God, and we want to give sacrificially, Lord, and we want to make an impact for your kingdom that will long outlive us, God, and that will be here long after after we are gone, Lord. And so we want to give. And so church, I'm gonna ask you to do that, to take that commitment card. If you're here with your family, take a moment, pray, and then just to come up whenever you're ready And to place them in this hat, to place them on the Bible, drop them in this backpack or the bags or the bucket. And then just to stay up here around the altar, to spend a few moments praying. And we're going to close together as a church all up here around the altars, praying for the vision that God has given us, praying for these commitments. So let's do that right now. Take this card. If you haven't yet, fill it out. Let's take a moment and pray and then bring it forward. And stay up here. We're going to pray together.
1: We are too
0: i'm going to ask if you're up here just to stretch your hands or even if you're back at your seats just stretch your hands to these different areas and we're going to pray for the vision that god has given us and we're going to believe that god is going to use what is given to change lives let's lift up our voices together God, we come before you this morning, God, and we want that vision that you have given our church, Lord. We want to see that change and that impact in the next generation, God. So as we give sacrificially, Lord, what's been placed in the bucket, Lord, and on the Bibles and in these bags, God, Lord, we pray that you will take this, Lord, and use what's given over the next three years, God, to change a community, Lord, to change a generation, God. Use our church, Lord, stretches, God, and as we give generously, Lord, we want to see lives impacted for your your kingdom, God. We want to see eternity affected, Lord. God, that will long outlift, outlast us, Lord. We pray for this, God. Use everything that is given, God, to build your kingdom, and we ask this in your name. Amen. Amen, church.